Welcome to Earth Matters, social justice stories from across Australia and the world, produced for 3CR Radio and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Jem Rommeld. Karina Lester is a Yankunjara Ananu woman based in Adelaide and one of the daughters of the late elder Yami Lester, who was blinded by the British nuclear testing program in the 1950s. The Lester family, including Uncle Yami, Karina and her older sister Rose, have played a huge role in speaking out about the damage caused by nuclear testing and fighting off the threat of a high-level international radioactive waste dump in South Australia. In January to February 2018, the Japanese NGO Peaceboat made a voyage through Australia with atomic bomb survivors on board. The Peaceboat has been described as a floating university, hosting guest educators and organising a packed program of talks and workshops for the 1,000 or so passengers on board. I was lucky enough to be on the ship and to record this talk from Karina on what she does as a language worker with the Adelaide University mobile language team. First, she tells us about the team, how they are working to protect and revive Aboriginal languages, and later she explains the role that language plays in keeping culture strong and, in turn, keeping country safe and clean. Our key strategies for the team, for the small team that we are, are to increase the number of young Aboriginals speaking their heritage language for the young to pass and and learn that language. Also to make language resources readily available to Aboriginal people. And really important is also to promote and raise awareness of the value of our Aboriginal languages across all communities in South Australia. So we've been operating since 2009 and we've been out supporting our South Australian Aboriginal community on their Aboriginal languages. So some of the support that we provide our community is developing language economies that provide employment pathways for those interested in language work, for example, interpreting and translation, but also to document language where it is spoken and remembered. We also provide support by presenting language workshops and training in regional and remote locations, and that may be in English, but then also in the stronger languages like Bilinyara Yangunyara um, in language then. We also provide support to the community by um, developing individual language databases to provide a foundation for future revival and maintenance activities. And we also provide a point of contact for Aboriginal people wishing to engage in language and language projects. We also maintain a website with language resources, multimedia, language lessons, also providing information by answering web inquiries and publishing a a quarterly newsletter as well. I also do a um, broadcasting a a weekly Aboriginal Languages Issues radio show and the program's called Ngana called Our Languages, and it's at a local radio station, community radio station called Radio Adelaide. I also sit on Australia's national body called First Languages Australia, so I'm South Australian um, representative for our Aboriginal languages in South Australia. So just really briefly, of the languages that are there, there were 40, 40 to 43 languages, Aboriginal languages in South Australia that were recognised. Of those 43 or so languages, 
Um, we are less than 10 speaking or reviving or reclaiming. We also provide support by lobbying for our South Australian Aboriginal language funding to the South Australian government. So currently, as the mobile language team, we get funding from the federal government, so the Australian government. So we do a lot of lobbying with SA South Australia to provide funding for our language projects also. And we also um, are supporting to facilitate the Aboriginal or the Mobile Language Team Aboriginal Policy and Advocacy Committee and its functions also. Karina has just been telling us about how the Adelaide University's Mobile Language Team works. Next, she will tell us about the three priorities of the team revival, reclamation and maintenance of Aboriginal languages. There are three key areas that we focus as the mobile language team and these areas are revival work, so working with those archival documentations that have been from missionaries, perhaps in the museum, perhaps lying around in the libraries in a hidden box, um, it's really important for us to dig those out and start a revival process. Also, there's an area called reclamation, which is quite urgent for us to do work. There's an urgency around it to work with those who may have only a handful of speakers, maybe two speakers or three speakers of that language, and that hasn't been used for a very long time. So we need to work with that community in developing what their language program is and in particular with those speakers of that language. And the last area is the maintenance of our Aboriginal languages. So my language in particular, Bidjanjara and Yangunjara are very strong languages but they are very much at risk of being lost also. So we need to work closely with the community on what is important to them in maintaining their language, perhaps language lessons to the children, perhaps building more on our language resources. Um, but another skill and an area we've identified is, is teaching our Aboriginal kids and, you know, adults as well, learning to read and write in their Bidjanjara and Yangunjara language. So this is some examples of language revival there's a, um, a bit of documentation of early, early days back in the late 1800s or even 1900s, early 1900s, where people had documented words, um, working with old traditional people back in the day, um, taking down that information of the language. So it's about getting those things that are hidden in the libraries and in the museums. Um, and the two husband and wife team are what they call musicologists who had done a lot of work in recording our traditional songs and and doing work to revive those old traditional songs that were recorded way back. So I mentioned that we are wanting to now teach our young about reading and writing in Bidjanjara Yangunjara um, so we can maintain through this new form um, because in the past, when my grandparents um, were travelling around, that language was taught to them orally, so 
traditionally speaking, our language is an oral language, um, but working with linguists and experts, we now have a written form where we can write our language and we can develop great resources. So but really importantly, I, I do want to talk about the importance of what we call, Anangonjura call Wabar, Yangonjura speakers call Wabar, which are our ancestral stories or Dreamtime stories. So there are many stories in our land and across our land there are many important stories such as the image on the left closest to me is a place called Barolbera and this place is significant of a serpent, a rainbow serpent, um, clearly indicating there is a water source there in those beautiful ranges um, but also in the story he's vomiting up people so you can see the boulders coming out of his mouth are people that he has eaten over the time. So very big story and this is one page in the big story. The other image is a great image of our traditional food called the muckle which is the witchetty grub um, but very very big story for the area where I grew up at Mimili community and that story tells us that there is a food source there for us um, when we go hunting and gathering. Um, so there's a name, a place called Andara, and Andara is a part of the Makul story, which is a part of our Makul Wapar. And these stories teach us important skills, and the number one skill is our skill of survival for hunting and gathering in our traditional lands. So this, this image of the serpent is in what white man or explorers have called the Everard Ranges. But to Anoyura, it's a place called Barolbera. But everywhere there are many, many pages in those stories that are so important to Anoyura. of Kunia. If you look carefully, it's a tourist attraction at the rock at Uluru. Um, this is on its way into a place called Murijula Waterhole. A lot of people go under that first image to look at the art, but many don't realise that they're coming under the belly of the Wama Python. The other image is the path that Kungakunia took around the eastern side of the rock. So the view that I'm looking at now is where many tourists around the world come to do the sunrise and photograph that image there. But it is the path of the Kunia where she left her eggs and came around travelling to Murijula Waterhole and you can see the pattern that she leaves behind. There's a particular tree that you do see in that image there which is the desert oak or Wadarga 
and it only grows in this angle of a like a northeast southwest angle in a, a specific area doesn't grow all over our region it's only in that area which is a part of a very important sensitive story a very relaxing sound when the wind blows through the leaves of this tree it's beautiful this one's closer to home, which is a part of what we call the Nindaga Ngora, which is the story of the Parenti. This is my father, Yami Lester's story, which is so important for him and his people about the importance of this lizard. A Nindaga is a large lizard that um, is from the west, but travelled to Nindaga Ngora. And this site is one of our sort of sacred sites that we protect on Dad's traditional lands. This story's got a really important story about respecting and not stealing from other, from other people or other traditional lands. So he'd travelled from Western Australia to Ngindagongora, Wallagara, um, and had stolen a grinding stone that we use for grinding up our seeds to make a seed bread. And he travels through country back to Western Australia, creating songs, creating dances, creating language, and teaching us morals and lessons as he journeys back to WA. So it's such an important story for us and a story we need to keep on for generations and generations passing on the story of the Nindaga, but those other stories as well of Barolbera and um, other stories of Uluru and what those stories, our ancestral stories, teach us. They're recorded in the land. They teach us the morals that we need to survive and, and, and hold ourselves but also it teaches us those skills of survival, of how we live within our area, how, how we hunt, how we gather in our area. So your learning is generation to generation within your area, so we fit in our traditional lands. Through those stories we know where our boundaries are, we know not to travel over into those boundaries and, and do wrong. So we kind of fit in that part of South Australia. We don't travel to the Northern Territory. We don't go north up to Darwin. So many Aboriginal groups fit in our traditional lands. It's a bit like a jigsaw puzzle. So we fit in our, in our beautiful traditional areas there as well. So really important for us to know and survive in those areas. This is Earth Matters, produced for 3CR Radio and broadcast all over the stolen lands we call Australia on the Community Radio Network. Karina Lester, Yankunjara Ananu woman and Aboriginal language worker, has been telling us about why the stories of the land are important for marking boundaries, showing directions and teaching survival skills. She will now tell us about some of her family members and the role they've played leading the Iratiwanti campaign. 
which successfully prevented the construction of a radioactive waste dump in South Australia from the late 90s until 2004. This image is an image of some really special and important people, which we call Nindibulgarura, which are the ones who are very knowledgeable. So my grandparents are sitting down, and in particular my two grandfathers, Jamulganji laying down closest to me, um, and then Jamul Sam Bumani with the red and orange beanie. Those two men have great knowledge and are sitting with ecologists, biologists, anthropologists, teaching them, those experts, about our traditional ways. And this particular image is on a biological survey that they got involved in sharing the knowledge that they had with the scientists. Sharing, again, the knowledge of language around our culture. These two women are my rock with my beautiful two grandmothers, dad's mum, Nana Bengayobaya, and her younger sister, Gumbawada, Eileen Gumbawada Brown. Both were victims of the British nuclear tests, but both were true leaders for me and teachers for me in learning about my cultural language and cultural ways. Nana Bengay gave evidence in the Royal Commission into the British nuclear tests in the early 80s, and Nana Gumbawada fought against the Australian government against the nuclear waste issue and formed the Eradiwandi campaign, which is the flag you can see to the, my left, which is using language as well to send a strong message. The poison, leave it. These are the amazing women who led that Eradiwandi campaign, the poison, leave it. Of the women that you see there, one is now with us. So I want to read some things um, from their Talking Straight Out book because what really led this campaign was the knowledge that these women had of our traditional lands and their important roles as caregivers and those women who had that traditional knowledge. So over the many decades or many years of fighting this campaign, um, in this book, small book that they pulled together, and I'm reading a quote, we take our responsibilities very seriously towards the land, the country, some of the special places, we know them. The jugur, the important stories of the land. The songs that prove how the land is. The inma, song and dance of the culture, all part of the land as well. The bush tucker that we know and do our best to teach the grandchildren and even tourists when we have the chance. Preserving the traditional crafts, the weta, wooden bowl, wana, digging stick, bunno, music sticks, and even gully, boomerang, that our grandmothers have passed down to us through the generations.
They are in the stars reminding us. It is in the dreaming from long, long ago. The seven sisters travelled all over the country, Western Australia, New South Wales, South Australia, everywhere. One wadi, man, was always following behind while the sisters were travelling along. He was always trying to get one of the seven sisters. But the women are tricky, always looking out for the wadi. Travel all over, looking in every tree, always on the lookout. Women are always on the lookout, looking out for the kids, for the country, for anything that might be wrong. Women come to be strong because of the Seven Sisters story. The strongest to learn and teach. We are the ones willing to teach the young ones. The Wadi, the man, caught one sister, the youngest one with the boomerang, and the other sisters flew up into the sky after her. You can look un into the sky and see the Seven Sisters still today. They are there in the stars, reminding us to be strong. We are always looking to the future, and this story is remembering. We are strong today because of the Jugur. We learnt it from our grandmothers, always following their footsteps. We sing their inma just as they sang in the beginning. The seven sisters put everything in the manda. In the beginning, the Gungas, women's sacred manda. And that's a, a quote from what was really grounding for those amazing women to take that fight was because they had that knowledge, their traditional knowledge, the knowledge of the Seven Sisters, the knowledge of country, the knowledge of language, to then take on the Australian government to send a strong message that we did not want any waste in our traditional lands. So language unlocks all the knowledge, the knowledge of our country, our stories, our songs, our roles, our responsibilities, our food, how to hunt, how to gather. Language is survival. Karina will now tell us about how she learned her language and the need to now teach the next generation to speak as well as read and write Aboriginal languages. In the past, I know when my grandmother and grandfathers and I'm an example also of learning the language orally from my grandparents and dad and mum teaching me. So I picked it up through my ears and became fluent in my language. But my father at the time when he was a director of um, an organisation called the Institute for Aboriginal Development was working with many linguists at the time. and made it a dis made a conscious decision to work with the linguist to document Yangunjarawanga because he could see that our social structures and our ways, our traditional ways were changing because of um, Western ways, colonisation. So this work with the linguist then recorded, documented our language and develop the written form using the English alphabet. So my generation 
learn to write and learn to read in, in our language. But there's always still work to do in documenting the oral language to hang on to it in the written form to pass it to the next generation. Because language is also a big part of our social structure. We have languages we use at certain time, like languages in languages. So that's part of some of the work that I do is working with linguists and elders to record those old languages. And one of them is anagi, which is our sacred language we use during ceremonial time. And those who speak anagi are quite elderly, so there's a real need to work with those elders before they pass. But still within communities where I come from and where my people are, many children are still learning language orally, but with also the written form, we are now needing to teach them to read and write in their language. Thank you. A huge thank you to Karina Lester for sharing her knowledge and family story with us. And thanks also to the Brolga Boys for the music you've heard on this show. Their tracks were recorded during their show on board the Peace Boat. While I've got your attention, I'd like to quickly plug a new calendar commemorating 20 years since the victory that saw the Jabaluka uranium mine proposal get canned. The gorgeous 2018 calendar can be purchased for just $12, including postage, from the Marawadi Gallery website, which is marawudi.com.au. The link will be on the webpage accompanying the podcast of this show. And the podcast webpage is www.3cr.org.au slash earthmatters. Thanks for listening to Earth Matters. I'm Jem Rommeld and I produced this show on Durable Land for 3CR Radio in Melbourne and to be broadcast across Australia thanks to the wonderful Community Radio Network. We'd like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support. If you'd like to get in touch with the Earth Matters team, you can email earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or call up the station on 03-9419-8377. We'll go out now with a Combat Wombat track, Tell the World, from the album Just Across the Border. Thanks for listening and please tune in again next week for the next chapter. Little bit of gold shining in the murky water Glistening diamonds on random street corners Treasure chest of hope waiting to be discovered Uncover, undercover, below the radar Big brother, when we start picking on each other Tell the world that we love her Tell the world, Tell the world. Little bit of gold shining in the murky water Glistening diamonds on random street corners just a hope waiting to be discovered Uncover, undercover, below the radar Big brother, when we start picking on each other Tell the world that we love her Terence McKenna Searching for them sacred blue apples on life's adventures Unlock all blocks, way we really truly meant to 
propeller present and carry on. Still remember, history stolen by mad rulers with cruel agendas. Pretending they superior, fearing that we surrender. Either let them get us penned up or pen up. We ain't filling pages on stages with lasers like Lyric Tesla. Breaking ground with the sound of an earth tremor. Enter the calm before the storm, we in the center. Universal dispersal of data in a sense of flux. In a mucks and ups and downs, seems you got stuck. So we here to unstuck you yeah, till you be yelling. Yeah, this higher than upper echelons in their deck chairs. Upper cup with a subsonic ruckus to chase them up the stairs. Reclaiming our resources and sharing them till them get there. the world that we love. 